0: Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. How about that, folks? Just when vibes were getting low around the Purdue fan base, the Boilermakers went on the road and took down number 21, Minnesota. We will fully break down the 20-10 to 10 victory here on the show today, look at some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, and we will take a look at the big picture now, as Purdue sits in a six-way tie for first place in the Big Ten West. If you don't already, hey, follow the show on Twitter, at BoilersBeyond. Tons of good stuff over there. Had a great time interacting with you all during the game yesterday. Away games are always good for that. And if you don't, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you twice a week during football season and plenty Throughout basketball so you will want to make sure that you follow the show or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss anything but let's go ahead and jump into the game yesterday Purdue wins 20 to 10 in a game that not many people were giving Purdue a chance in you know Purdue was About 12-point underdogs once Aiden O'Connell was ruled in, that got down to 9 or 10, but Purdue was pretty significant underdogs, and the way they won the game was very non-Purdue-like. It was a dominant performance by the defense that won this game for Purdue. I thought it was an interesting game plan from Purdue, without a doubt, and I don't know I don't know that anyone really knew that Muhammad Ibrahim wouldn't play for Minnesota in case the broadcast didn't make it clear enough. He did not play, (laughs) but I don't know that anyone really knew that was coming, but Purdue never altered their game plan. You know, they still really focused on taking away the run for Minnesota and making Tanner Morgan beat them through the air. It was an excellent job by the defensive line of getting a push. I thought, and I think it was even the first play of the game for Purdue. Jack Sullivan had a great push off the edge and forced a tackle for loss. And that really set the tone. That was a really good job by him. I thought he had a great game. Branson Dean, Kydron Jenkins, also very impactful. Even saw Corday Sidnor uh, come off, make an impact as well, coming off the bench. So, a really good job by the defensive front. I thought Samisi Fakasiecki and Jacob Wahlberg were really good at linebacker. And that was an area coming into this game that I was a little bit concerned about for Purdue. They don't have the quickest linebacker room. And neither Fakasiaki or Wahlberg are, you know, real agile speedsters out there, but they did a heck of a job coming downhill and making some plays. Uh, A really, really good game for them. And all in all, you look at Purdue's front, front seven, 26 carries for 47 yards for Minnesota. Really good stuff there. You know, they held Trey Potts, who is Minnesota's number two back, but would be the number one back on a lot of teams. Potts had nine carries for ten yards. Uh, just an excellent, excellent job by Purdue's defense. They did a great job in the run game. Didn't let Tanner Morgan do anything, really. When he tucked it and ran a few times, uh, I was kind of worried there. We had talked about how in Purdue's last two games, you know, Garrett Schrader and Nikosi Perry did a nice job of exploiting the Purdue defense in some zone read concept stuff, and even in just tuck it and run stuff, Tanner Morgan did none of that on Saturday. Huge credit to Purdue's front seven there. And, you know, by default, when you sell out to stop the run, as much as Purdue did, by putting seven guys in the box on pretty much every play, you are putting some stress on your secondary. You know, really playing man coverage, Putting your corners on an island with just one high safety, and Purdue did a nice job. They got beat by a, on a few big plays. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You know, a couple of 28 yard receptions, and then that big 66 yarder. But as a whole, you know, you you hold Tanner Morgan to 18 for 33 passing. That number alone, you would have taken coming into this game, no doubt. You look at some of the performances he's had against Purdue in his career. If you told Ron English you'd get 18 for 33 from Morgan, I think A, he'd be thrilled that Morgan had to throw it 33 times, but B, you know, a 55% completion rate, not very good. Again, he did have 257 yards. That's a default to some of those big plays. But you look at some of the plays Purdue's secondary was able to make. Now, the three interceptions, you know, one comes off a tipped pass. Nice play by Wahlberg off of a uh, Jack Sullivan tip. That one you kind of earned. The first one to Cam Allen off of a dropped touchdown pass was gift wrapped. And then, you know, in desperation time, uh, Morgan throws another one to Cam Allen. But three interceptions from Tanner Morgan, really not a good day. Uh you know, you don't know what to make of him. He'd been off to a really good start. And I thought maybe there is something to Kirk Sheraka coming back as the offensive coordinator and really, really gelling there and bringing back that 2019 form. But he didn't look good at all. I thought Purdue's corners did pretty nice job. Corey Trice had a nice day in pass coverage. I think Minnesota targeted him more than he had been targeted all season. I don't have the stats to back that up, but it sure felt that way. And he did a really nice job. A couple of pass breakups. Bryce Hampton had a big pass breakup. Uh, Reese Taylor might have had one as well, now that I think about it. So, also good for Purdue to get Reese Taylor back. Uh, He is, uh, you know, he's a good, good piece to have out there. Uh, You certainly appreciate that, getting him back and healthy. A little bit more depth to the secondary, but, you know, to hold Minnesota to 304 yards on the day, that's really good. Seven tackles for loss, six pass breakups, uh, a forced fumble that, you know, a weird play because it ended up in a positive gain for Minnesota, but really nice job by Kydron Jenkins to get to the passer there. A fantastic day by Purdue's defense. And I think it's even more impressive given what the Purdue's, Purdue's offense made them deal with. Not a good day for Purdue's offense at all. The first drive was really nice, and it was a very interesting approach. You know, Brock Osweiler talked about it a lot on the broadcast that Minnesota certainly sat in that deep cover, too making Purdue beat them underneath, and did Purdue ever, uh, running the ball on that first drive. Purdue's backs ran really hard, and they scored a touchdown. But after that, uh, they muster a field goal on a drive that began, boy, right around the, the Minnesota 30, after a bizarre decision by P.J. Fleck to go for it deep in his own territory on fourth and two. I still don't understand that. Um but you get a field goal there and then you don't score again till what, mid fourth quarter, late fourth quarter. That's not great. I don't know how healthy Aiden O'Connell was. Uh you just look at the way he threw the ball. He wasn't crisp, he wasn't sharp. Uh 27 for 40 a buck 99. No touchdowns, two picks. First time Purdue has won a game without throwing a touchdown pass since the infamous 2013 Indiana State game. So that part was interesting. Uh, I didn't think O'Connell looked great, but at the same time, having O'Connell at, say, 75% is still probably the best option for this offense. Uh, you hope he continues to get healthier. Again, I don't know how much of that was a problem of his injury versus just a nice job by Minnesota. You know, again, they they sat in that deep cover two for most of the day, and with that, they really made O'Connell be patient and made Purdue be patient. And you saw in a couple of those inter you know, both those interceptions really, Purdue tried to push the ball downfield a little bit too much when it wasn't there. Minnesota did a nice job of taking the deep ball away and really making Purdue live underneath, and it was a very effective defensive approach from Minnesota. The run game for Purdue was very good. Uh, You had that first drive where the run game was good, and then it certainly did stagnate until Devin Mockaby broke off that 68-yard run there with what, three minutes to go, uh, something like that, that scored the touchdown that kind of put the game away. But, uh, you know, you can't say enough good things about Maccabee and Dylan Downing. Uh, those guys just run hard. They compete. They are certainly guys who I would think are on the list for scholarships after this season. Uh, you would hope so at least because they, they certainly are deserving. Uh, I think you still want to get King Daru back. We'll see when that happens. But, you know, nonetheless, a great job there. Uh, it was good to see Maccabee punch it in after that big run as well. He earned getting that into the end zone. Um, you know, you just busting a big play there, right? Maccabee has some speed that Purdue hasn't had at running back in a while. And certainly more so than... Daru and Downing bring. Uh, I think Mockaby is going to be a big part of this offense for the rest of the season, uh, even when Daru comes back. He's certainly earned it. Uh, he has done a fantastic job. You couldn't you could not ask for more from these two guys. Uh, they have been very good for you and you would like to see the offense put up more points. I don't think 20 points is a number you're going to win many games with, but you know, you look at this, I still think it's pretty clear that Purdue doesn't have a whole lot of weapons at the skill positions on offense. Deion Burks had a few nice receptions yesterday. Of course, Charlie Jones had a quiet day by his standards, but still Purdue Purdue's leading receiver. Um, Payne Durham, not a ton going. You know, just just not a big day by Purdue pass catchers. And we'll see if someone can break out. You know, it doesn't sound like Brock Thompson's coming back anytime soon. So this is what you have. This is what you have to work with. Uh, Didn't hear much from Mershawn Rice. Uh, I know he was supposedly open on a a touchdown probably, but didn't hear much from him. Quiet for Sheffield. Tyrone Tracy, not much going. So um, that's something you you know, just might be dealing with at this point. That just might be reality. As a whole, though, you know, Purdue just has to score more. And they put their defense in some really bad spots in this game. Purdue had a couple of drives where they had a first down. Well, they had a second down play that resulted in a first down only to come back from a penalty that led to a punt. A few three and outs that just weren't competitive series. You got to get a little bit better there because we've seen now, you know what, Purdue scored 10 points in the first half against Penn State. Was it nine in the first half against Syracuse? 10 against Minnesota? 14 against FAU? Uh, You got to be better than that. Uh, And even, you know, in the third quarter, uh, they didn't do a ton against Syracuse in the third quarter did nothing here against Minnesota in the third quarter. So, you need much more from the offense. I think as Aiden O'Connell gets back to healthier, you can get there. But, look, it's a great win. Minnesota gift-wrapped a lot of things for Purdue in this game. We brought up the questionable fourth-down-go-for-it decision. They missed a chip-shot field goal. They had a touchdown that was literally dropped – and picked off by Cam Allen. You get the breaks you get sometimes, and Purdue will take that. After a, a game against Syracuse where they got none of the breaks, uh, you, you're, you'll you take this with a smile on your face. I thought from a special teams perspective, it was really good for Mitchell Finneran to knock those two field goals through the uprights, especially that one from 43. Uh, that was really big. Jack Ansel, you'd like to see a little more touch on a couple of those punts. He had two that sailed into the end zone for a touchback that you would like to keep in. And, you know, even down it at the 10, that saves you 10 yards there. Um again, you take what you can get. This is a really good win. You move on, and just really you're in position to do some things now that at this time last week, you didn't think you would be. I saw some interesting conversations, you know, about how big of a win was this for Purdue. Time will tell. You know, sometimes some of the the games you look back at as huge wins really depend on how the season goes. But, you know, without a doubt, this is a big one. Now, it's interesting because before the season... I thought Purdue would be a short underdog here. And obviously, questions around Aiden O'Connell's health. Minnesota's probably better than I expected. Purdue, a little bit disappointing through four games. But, you know, we'll see how big of a win this is. How good is Minnesota? How good is Purdue? Time will tell on some of this stuff. But it's the sixth ranked win for Purdue in five-plus years of Jeff Brom now. That's pretty impressive. Uh, that's, that's a good stat. Now, most of them have come at home. You won at Iowa and you won at Minnesota, Boston College, Ohio State, uh, Iowa in 2018, and then Michigan State last year all came at home. But Purdue has the ability to kind of play that nobody believes in us role If you watched the video that Purdue football tweeted of Jeff Brom in the locker room after the game, that was really his message was no one believed in you. And Jeff Brom does a really good job of channeling that within his players, getting them to compete in games that, you know, no one expects them to win. And that's a big credit to the coaching staff. It was a pretty well-coached game. It was a good game plan by Ron English. I think it's tough on offense when I don't know how healthy Aiden O'Connell really was. Uh, He wasn't all that sharp, but it got the job done. And now you move forward. It's hard to look at this and say that Purdue is not a threat to win the West. You know, yes, you have one conference loss, but so does everyone else in the West. It's a six way tie for first And like everyone expected, Wisconsin's the team in last. I say that sarcastically. Nobody expected that, but the Badgers don't look very good. You look at it right now, and it is a weak division. There's no doubt about it. Every team has some real flaws. You know, Minnesota, I think, is still a major threat. Illinois sure looks good, even though they lost to Indiana. Uh, Iowa... Is a half team. You know, they're good on defense. Their offense is abysmal. Wisconsin doesn't look good. And Northwestern and Nebraska, I don't, not a whole lot of positive there, but Purdue can certainly compete here. Now, a key will be this upcoming week. You go to Maryland and no, it's not a Big Ten West game, but it is a Big Ten game. And if you can avoid that letdown, you know, Purdue's won before this one, Purdue had won five ranked games under Jeff Brom. They're one in four in the games following that. The only win being after they beat Boston College, they went up to Nebraska and you know won Nebraska's little winnable game that Scott Frost famously said. You have to kind of avoid that. We'll have a full breakdown on Wednesday of the Purdue-Maryland game, but You know, I think when you look at this now, it's absolutely feasible that Purdue can compete in the West. They have to improve in some areas. I I think the offense has to get better, especially when you look at the way some of these teams play. Iowa is going to be tough to some degree because of that defense. Uh, You can't gift wrap them things. Illinois certainly looks like a team that you're going to have to score to beat. They're physical. They run the ball well, and Tommy DeVito looks better than I expected. Uh, Wisconsin has your number. That's clear as day. Uh, Until Purdue wins that game, I don't know that you can feel comfortable about it. So there are a number of potential pitfalls sitting in front of Purdue at this point. But as of right now, there is no game left on this schedule that you look at and say, boy, I don't know that Purdue can win that. I think Maryland might be the best team left on your schedule. Uh, It's certainly a conversation. Maryland, Iowa, Illinois, I don't know. You know, much was made about Purdue not having all that treacherous of a schedule this year. But now that you beat Minnesota and you have that tiebreaker, should it matter? Boy, I think that... Is really a big deal. Now, you don't want to overreact to one week too much. There are still questions with this team. You want to get Jalen Graham back soon, hopefully this week. Uh, you need to put up more points on offense. The defense needs to keep doing this well. Uh, certainly, you'll face a tough test with uh, Talia Tagavailoa, but you're not facing a ton of great quarterbacks that can Really challenge your secondary well. So it's going to be really interesting to monitor moving forward. But this was a win that, you know, again, Vegas didn't expect Purdue to have. I don't know that many Purdue fans did. I didn't expect Purdue to win this game. But they dug deep, they overcame a difficult September. And now you're three and two. And when you look ahead at the schedule, if you can clean up a few things, boy, it it really looks like you can put together quite the nice season at this point. So I'll put a stop in this one for today. That's all I've got. As I said, we'll be back here on Wednesday to preview Purdue, Maryland. Send over questions to me on Twitter. That's at BoilersBeyond. We will do a good old Q&A session for the second half of that episode. So send them on over. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss the Purdue Maryland preview. And hey, get off to a great start to this week, folks. Take care.